Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast asking, are you in or out? And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who was in on Mac Brown last year. I was. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who was in on Arby's. Always in on Arby's. That's me, Trey Newman. We still got to go there, too. I know, Ryan, you're, of course, in on Arby's. I'm the Arby's guy. What's the deal here? I mean, curly fries is all they got. That's what I think. But (laughs) anyway, enough about that. Uh, In today's episode, we have a list of six college football players, coaches, and topics that are potentially polarizing heading into the 2020 season and we're all going to stake our claim as to whether we're in or out so let's uh, let's just get right into it ryan what's our our first topic our first one is uh todd graham the new head coach over in hawaii uh i gotta i'll just lead us off the bat here with this i i'm out here uh on todd graham it's i think he's kind of already hit his peak as a coach i mean he's been in the game for a long time and other than that i just i don't like his staff i don't think he's got a very good staff around him Offensive coordinators GJ Kinney, remember him back in the day? No, <laughs> okay, he was a quarterback. He was okay. quarterback Tulsa. I know he where was did, pretty where good. Did, where did he play? Tulsa. Tulsa. Okay, yeah, it's sounding familiar now. Green. He played, yeah, and he he's learned under I know like Mike Norvell, Chip Kelly, Ryan Day. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'm not I mean, on him just, as you are. He's never been a coordinator before, uh, so it's like, well, I, I, he's been a coordinator for one game. I'll say that, but I don't know. It's just very light on experience. Then if you flip over to the defensive side, his defensive coordinator was the former head coach at Azusa Pacific, my alma mater. Well, half alma mater. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but he, they, they just won one game this past year <laughs> at, at Azusa and he was the coach. Like what? That didn't really sound good. Um, yeah. he's been there a long time and he had some success. It was just a kind of a down year, but, um, then his running backs coach is his, his son, Brandon, who's he's been with him like every step of the way. I didn't know that, but Brandon, he's been coaching like Tulsa, Pitt, Arizona State, and he's just never been able to venture out on his own or something. He's never really made a name for himself at all. So that's a little, I don't know, worrisome. It's just, I don't know, there's a guy, a couple guys who were in high school coaching last year. It's just not a uh, great staff surrounding him. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Plus, people, he just wears people thin, you know? I mean, all, wow, all that was uh, very negative. Yeah. yeah, I'm out. I'll agree. Right. I'll agree that I'll agree that the the staff maybe not so bueno, but I'm actually going to be in on Todd Graham. I was a bit skeptical skeptical of him, but I think the more I look back at his tenure, I think I was a little too harsh on him for his ASU days. I mean, looking back, he was 46 and 32 there. He had a couple of 10 win seasons. They yeah. just couldn't quite get to that that next level, but it, it's not an easy thing to do, especially uh, at ASU. And I always, you know, when at the time, like I always kind of felt like he was just okay. But knowing ASU's history, that he really wasn't all that bad. He's produced good offenses. Ryan, you touched on his time at Tulsa. Um, that's going to obviously fit in in Hawaii. He took a couple years off, visited. Uh, some of those NFL and college coaches kind of got refreshed. He analyzed a lot of his ASU tape from his career there. And I'm actually more in than I thought I would have been. Yeah, I'm I'm in as well. It's definitely the first time you heard of the hire. It was weird. It seems like a weird fit. 
his personality going to Hawaii. But but yeah, I'm just in because he's been a good coach pretty much everywhere he's been. And like you said, Trey, that ASU tenure gets underrated. Like he he didn't need to be fired. He went seven and five his final regular season there. It that's fine at ASU. He he very well. well they could've. did go six and three in conference that year. I will say it was. It's not like I, I was yeah. surprised he was fired at that point. But right, and you know. he's done historically a, a a very good job of hiring assistants. So maybe these guys that are kind of no names right now. Maybe they'll be the next up and comers. I don't know. He's he does have a good track record for that. Yeah. So so yeah. Hey, DJ I mean, Kenny, I could see him. I could see that. But um, all right. yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, moving on to uh, someone a little more near and dear to to the bros' heart, Adrian Martinez. In or out, Ryan? Uh, lead us off. Oh wow! I didn't follow our script here on that last one. I noticed. I just kind of jumped right in there, didn't I? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Hey. Don't always have to follow the script, do we, guys? No. Um, I'm. I'm. I gotta say it. I'm out on Adrian. Uh, it's just after what we saw last year. I mean, I'll say he was dealt a tough hand. Uh, for sure last year. I mean, the offensive line really struggled, uh, especially at the beginning of the year. They really weren't that good, so the running game wasn't really there. He routinely had his timing thrown off because our center was just throwing it way up above his head like every other snap it was ridiculous it's the worst snapping i've ever seen i think everybody all of us will agree on that so he just you know he was put behind the eight ball for sure our most talented weapon on offense maurice washington was in and out of trouble and in and out of the lineup he only played a handful of games so lost him and i don't know he didn't have a receiver to throw to over five eight that was worth a toot so it was just uh <laughs> it was tough but he was injured also too apparently playing through hurt but just the way he I don't know. He played so tentatively and it just seemed like he was very almost soft. I don't know. Just, it, it was just a weird, a different vibe than his freshman year. So I, I, I think he'll improve, but I just don't think he'll ever get to what we thought he was going to be after his freshman year. So, I mean, he does have some better talent coming this year to work with and the offensive line will be better. So the support staff for him will, will improve, but you know, my, my expectations are low. Okay. I'm I'm gonna say in on Adrian Martinez. It's because of everything you said about last year. Like we after his freshman year, we were all so hopeful, obviously and not just, you know, Nebraska fans. It was, you know, betters were hopeful with the the Heisman odds and everyone yeah. thought that that he was gonna have a really big year. Obviously it didn't happen, but there's tons of explanations as to why it was so bad. I mean, you just listed off most of them and just to get into more specifically with the, you know, he had a knee injury that caused him to miss a couple games and he had off season shoulder surgery after the season so there were real injuries there explaining it and you know he's got his whole offensive line back not that it's going to be great but it should be better it was better towards the end of the year like you know right it was though they tore up wisconsin on the ground actually in the end of the year so yeah there you go so you know i'm not saying he's going to be a heisman contender obviously but i think a top five quarterback in the big 10 maybe and that's that's pretty good yeah i'm i'm team adrian Ryan, you you made a pretty the first half of your argument was kind of giving a reason of why <laughs> you know you could be teammate. I know where you were going with it, but he's got like just as a person, he's got a great head on his shoulders, seems like a good kid. People are just kind of writing him off. And when people do this, I like to kind of buy low. And and Frost has said when you're when the head coach time after time sticks up for him, he's of course the coach is gonna stick up for their player, but he has come to bat for him, even though he knows he's recruited good quarterbacks behind him but he's he's team adrian and he's saying the things like he's was injured he was dealt a bad hand all the injuries and 
the biggest thing was the thing you brought up, Brian. Like, if Michael Vick was back there and he had to catch these balls out of yeah. the air, like he would have, he wouldn't have done that great. Like when you lose a second on a play, that that makes a huge difference. So, uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the savior or anything, but I'm I'm looking for him to rebound. Yeah, Hope and so. uh, and and Scott Frost too. Like the fact that he's going to bat for him is is also good because he's Frost. Every coach or every quarterback that Frost has coached has been really good. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully Adrian, you know, isn't the exception. I mean, here. his freshman like, year was pretty darn good. So, you know, yeah, exactly. Guess, We've yeah. seen it. We've, We've seen, seen it. I guess good already. Yeah. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I think we, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to be super cautious. <laughs> okay. Next uh, topic we have here is the early signing period. Trey, are you in or out on that? So I'm actually out. Um, the timing uh, of it makes sense, especially for the players. Uh, it comes right after most of their official visits during that that season. But I'm I'm old school. I liked the old signing period more. Um, it was kind of nice f- to have that February day to enjoy in the off season. You know, it it comes. The national title was about a month before. Uh, you're in that time between the season and spring ball, and so you you had that nice middle spot to really delve in and and enjoy the recruiting. And now it just kind of gets a, a bit lost in the shuffle in the bowl games and holidays. No, that's that's a good point. How it's just kind of uh, yeah, you, the, come February, it's like nobody it's there's maybe each school might get a few yeah. more signings. It's not like it's that big of a deal. And you, so uh, I hear your argument on that. I I don't know. I've changed my mind, I think, on this a lot of what are whether or not I like it. But I've kind of like, kind of come to the conclusion that I just don't really give a crap. About it. So, <laughs> I mean, right. I, I guess it's oh, better wow. for this. I guess it's better for the schools because they aren't left stranded. Maybe at the last second with a kid not signing on the, the on the February signing day. Um, whereas if they do that in December, it's like, okay, well, we still have two months to find a, another spot. So maybe it helps them fill their spots a little better. Um, so that part might be good, but you know, honestly, kids were starting to commit so much earlier and earlier, even before the early signing period started, you know, this new signing period was in place. So I don't think it really drastically changed all those things. It just made it pen to paper rather. So I don't know. I guess, I don't know if you call me in or out on this. I just don't really you don't have care. A, <laughs> don't care. So whatever well, you want to call that. Yeah. I mean, I can see that because there's, there's pros and cons for both the players and the coaches. I yeah. Think. So I, I don't think there's a clear answer here. So I'll just like Trey, I'm going to answer as a fan, as a fan, I'm out because I loved that, that early signing or the, sorry, the national signing day, just being one day, it was like Christmas. So yeah, I, uh, I'm out. When you bring it up like that, I, now that you, I'm kind of starting to lean more back the other way with All you. Right, I convinced you. <laughs> yeah, we'll persuade you. Yeah. All right. Next, we have uh, a quick word from myfrontpagestory.com. That's right. That's right. So Father's Day coming up this weekend. Your dad, you know, he loves the newspaper. Everybody's dad really does. So give him the cover story he deserves for being an awesome dad at myfrontpagestory.com. So here's how it works. You you talk to a writer about your dad for about 10 minutes. They write an awesome story on him and they send it to you. He'll love it. It's a great gift to give. Uh, It's fun to look at, fun for them to hang up in the house and look at from time to time. That's myfrontpagestory.com. There's the promo code BROS20 for 20% off your order. MyFrontPageStory.com, promo code BROS20. All right. Awesome. Yeah. 
last last minute gift idea or even if you know could be for a grandparent could be for your mom anybody it's a great birthdays gift. too man there you go uh okay continuing in or out who's next ryan yeah, we have uh, Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. Michael, are you? I know what you're in. I know. Yeah, you already know. I feel like <laughs> maybe we talk about Justin Fuente too much because yeah, yeah. I feel like I've done my spiel on him a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm in on on Fuente. Uh, you know, obviously, great job at Memphis. Great first couple years at at Virginia Tech, and things have not gone gone well the last couple years. I'm sure, Ryan. I have a feeling you're going to be out, so I'll let you touch on. Uh, Thanks on what exactly has gone wrong. But here's why I think it can kind of turn back around. You know, you got Hendon Hooker coming back. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks coming into the season. 19 returning starters. There's there's a ton of of talent on the team. So they have a chance to be a top 20 team, maybe win eight or nine games. And that could kind of just just reverse that any negative momentum there is around the program. So you just mentioned they could win eight or nine games. I think they need at least nine to, you know, reverse the mojo that's been happening there. Fans, they got to be national spotlight, you know, really in the national picture for people to get their eye on them and change the view of what's going on there right now, because I'm out. Yeah. By the way, I'm out on (laughs) Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, I (laughs) I just, I I think he's on a, uh, on, you know, a thin thread and he's just hanging by a piece. And I think it's going to come ending here pretty soon. We've talked about it, but they've had a mass exit of transfers. There isn't, they have maybe a lot of starters back, but they're not going to have a ton of depth behind them. So many people have left. Um, Horrible recruiting class brought in 70 something this past year. Next, this past, this next year is in 58th. They're not recruiting much better for the following year. So it's just, they're going to run short on talent. That's why I think like if they are going to make it work, Fuente, they need a special season this year. They they really need something to happen. That's a great. The recruiting is super super concerning, especially that yeah yeah this he can't afford another class like last year. So yeah mm-hmm. that that's a major concern. I'm I am scared of that. That is a concern, but I'm I'm in. But I will fully admit that kind of like you're saying, Ryan, 2020 is a huge season for him. Um, I'm going to kind of chalk up 2018 as as just kind of a bad outlier last year, they really just finished really well down the stretch. They were six and three. Those three losses were really tight. Um, And it doesn't take much in the ACC to kind of get back over the hump. Obviously Clemson's kind of head and shoulders, but there's no reason that they can't compete for that, that second or third spot and be, be relevant in the ACC. Um, You know, he also flirted with Baylor this off season and people kind of thought he might take that. So if I'm a Hokie fan, it might be a little encouraging that, you know, he didn't jump ship. He stayed. He stayed the course. He probably likes what he's got coming back. So I think there's some optimism in Blacksburg because they'll probably be they're going to be like a fringe preseason top 25 team. So mm-hmm. there's there's definitely some legitimate hope for this year. But for exactly. the future, like you're talking about, Ryan, that recruiting is a little scary. So 2020 is huge. Yeah. Um, 20 this year, he might he might kind of have to win the coastal or at least come close because I think they need 10, 11 wins for him to, Whoa, you're, you're going crazy now, right? Now you're getting crazy. <laughs> 11 wins. I at mean, 10. how about wow. winning the coastal? How about winning the coastal? You got North right. Carolina. Well, but it's, you know, I don't necessarily think winning the coastal is going to do it. Depends I mean, how it looks. I'm sure. Depends how yeah, it looks. Like how. it could be a pit time type of division yeah. winner. And it's like, that doesn't really do much. So true. They need to be, legitimately I think they need to go 15 and oh I think I really do <laughs> yeah they might as well <laughs> all right point point taken here no uh what's next Trey? all right 
All right. Now we'll go to a player, another quarterback down in the SEC. Bo Nix. Ryan, in or out? Yeah, you guys know I'm in on Bo. Um, I, I'm not going to try to sit here and convince you that his freshman year was amazing or anything. But good. I, at the, <laughs> I, I think at the same time, though, it's it's maybe people are a little har- too harsh on his year. Um, you know, he, he had 58% completion percentage, almost seven yards per pass attempt. 23 total touchdowns to just are, are these supposed to be are you not in favor? I'm saying it's not horrible I'm not it, it wasn't horrible I, I would exactly. yeah, it not. so it listen he if if he um that's a true freshman in the SEC we're talking about here so yeah I, I think it's fair to say he's going to improve from the from from his freshman year uh Seth Williams um yeah Seth Williams comes back who's a potential first round pick at wide receiver um in 2021 that's a big time player um and I just feel like to, for him to go to, if he improves a little bit, I think he'll move into that good category, that good quarterback category. Like See, right now he was below average. I'll admit he was probably below average, but it's not going to take a sure. huge jump for him to move into, oh, he's a good quarterback. So I, I guess I kind of disagree there. So I'm out on on Bo Nix. I, I think people are expecting a a really big leap. Like some, I saw Reggie Bush. I mean, maybe I'm building a, a straw man argument here, but Reggie Bush put him like in his top five quarterbacks in the yeah, nation. That was, a, that was, that was not aggressive. Good, Reg. That was yeah. very aggressive. I'm, but I'm in, that, but I'm not that in. No, I know no, few people are, but, uh, but no, I mean, okay. So you made some good points. The excuses. He was a true freshman, really tough schedule for Auburn, but like there are true freshmen that put up really good stats just last year. Jaden Daniels at Arizona state. You got Sam Howe, North Carolina, Keaton Slovis, USC. So I, I'm no Much longer different schedules there. No, it's true, but much, much different stats. You know, I, I don't think schedule explains it all. So I, I'm no longer, I guess I'm not as um, forgiving of a poor freshman year, but that doesn't mean he can't. I mean, obviously I think he's going to take a step forward and he does have a lot of talent, but I'm just not so sure that it's just going to be some massive jump. Like a lot of people are expecting. Cause so he, I kind of put him in the category of, well, I mean, I think he might be better than certainly one of these guys, but Ryan Holinsky, Max Duggan, highly recruited true freshman that had statistically kind of bad years. One of those guys is probably going to make a massive jump and be a good quarterback. But I think a safer prediction is just kind of a more modest improvement. I'm, I'm also out as well. There was just a lot of hype and there was actually even more hype after that first game last season when they played Oregon. Remember that last drive? He, he kind of, he got that clutch first down and then he threw the the winning touchdown pass. So kind of that kind of set the bar really high. And maybe I was just kind of buying in too much. And he never really lived up to that the rest of the season. I mean, he has moments like he wasn't awful. Yeah. Um, but, and I look at Auburn. I was just kind of looking at their their season win total. It's it's set around eight and a half. So they're looking at a three or four loss season potentially. So odds makers in general aren't super in love with with him and i know it's more it's not just him winning all the games um but defensive like line get, loses quite a bit defense loses a lot of talent so there's a lot of factors i'm not putting it all on nicks um but there's no reason like you guys said that he can't take a leap in his second year but i kind of am prone to this too is that you we a lot of us we always just kind of assume that they're gonna take the next step and that they don't always do i mean look at the guy we talked about earlier adrian martinez after his freshman year, you kind of thought star, star, and there was a litany of reasons why he didn't. But it's not—it's not a guarantee that you're just going to all of a sudden going to 
going to take that next step. And not to mention the SEC has a full year of tape on him. So you guys know yeah. I'm a big Gus. I'm a Gus Malzahn guy. So hopefully you can mm-hmm. uh, sprinkle yeah. some some dust on him and, and make it work. And now he's got Chad Morris as the offensive coordinator. Some people are are high on that. And we talked about Frost, you know, going to bat for uh, for Adrian Martinez. Gus Malzahn has said very positive things about Bo Nix. You know, he's saying he's he's going to win a championship by the time he's done here. So I I factor that in. I, I think that means something that Gus is is believes in him so much. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested. The, the week two that well they play or- Alcorn State for first week. Then they got North Carolina in that second week, and that one is the one I'm interested in. It's not like North Carolina is going to have a, a super stout defense. I'm sure they'll be all right, but. You know, that one's a one I'm really looking forward to because they have their, their beginning part of their schedule is manageable. Like they don't have as brutal of a slate as they, you know, there's no Clemson and stuff like that on the schedule. So mm-hmm. you got Alcorn State, North Carolina, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Kentucky to start the year. So it's not bad. You know, got a chance to shine. Could be five and oh. Okay. Uh, next topic we have here is a potential one time transfer exception where players maybe will be able to transfer and uh, not have to sit out. So Trey, do you, are you in or out? Even though I'm the renowned traditionalist on this podcast, I'm, I'm in on this. I uh, coaches we've talked about before coaches can leave jobs whenever. And that seems to happen even more frequently than, than it had historically. Um, So why couldn't a player that was recruited to play for that coach leave right after it? That's one scenario. Um, things can also change with a kid's family, maybe back at home and he needs to, to move closer to home. Um, there's just a variety of circumstances, but, but players shouldn't, in my opinion, be held hostage, uh, by the rule. And I'm, I'm for a one-time transfer exception. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Trey, you use the same word that I was going to use a hostage. It's just like, it just seems like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like an NCAA or anybody should be in the business of trying to hold kids or punish them from going to wherever they want to go. Uh, if they have the grades and they're accepted, um, they can go anywhere they want. And I just don't see the the point of, I don't know. I just see this rule as an outdated, stupid rule. It yes. just needs to be changed. It just, just hasn't changed because that's just the way it's been for so long, I guess. Um, Trey brings up the coaches leaving all the time, but it's just, these are kids, man. Like I, I transferred as a, in my, after my year, first year, like I didn't enjoy the school I was at first. So it's like, I, this is going to happen. Why would you hold yeah. a kid that against the kid was like 17 years old, making that choice of where he's going to go to school. You know, yeah. maybe he just chose the wrong one. Who? So give him the right to be able to, to leave. And if he still wants to play, don't, don't harm, harm him for that. So it's just not fair. It, it really isn't fair. Yeah. Uh, the more time that passes, I think the more clear that becomes to more people. It's just all the arguments against it are just kind of paternalistic or not really thinking about the players and their Yeah, it's all about freedom. the convenience of the of the coaches and the fans. Yeah. And it's just like, you know what? Tough noogies. Like, get over it. <laughs> tough, noogies. tough noogies. We need to deal with it. You know, Ryan this- says toot and tough noogies on this podcast. Well, Michael censors me, so I got to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, there's no there's no transfer portal in the real world, guys. You got a job. Sure. You just yeah. you got to stay there. You can't yeah. quit your job. Hey, we all yeah. know that. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, and also, I just think a good thing about it. I'm in if I didn't already say that, obviously, uh, is that just as the fans, I think it's better because instead of like like last year, instead of Justin Fields either sitting out at Ohio, Ohio State or just being on the bench behind Jake Fromm, he was entertaining us you know he was having an incredible year so, so 
I guess I'll ask you guys, what do you think, do you think the big schools benefit the most from, would benefit the most from this? Or would it be, you know, because you can look at it from multiple ways, right? It's like a lot of those kids that are go to top level schools, maybe don't quite work out, transfer to a lower level. And, you know, if they can play right away, that's good for lower schools. But at the same time, if you got to, you know, there's a lot of kids that are trying to transfer up, you know, somebody that's dominating at a G5 school or something might try to go as, take his luck to the SEC if he doesn't have to sit out a year. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the great, I think you said it right there. It's just, I think it goes both ways. I, I'm not sure. It seems kind of like a net neutral to me because I can think of examples just right now off the top of my head of grad transfers like Joe Burrow, although, although he was leaving Ohio State, but he helped out a big school in LSU. Um, yep. And then you've got a, like lot, a guy like Shane, Shane Bachel going from Texas to SMU. He's helping out the little guy. So I don't know. And there's a lot right. of those guys that are like stars in the G5 or even mid mid guys in the Power 5 that transfer to that bigger school. And they don't really end up panning out. Like people automatically think, oh, it's a home run. Like the the top five or six schools are just going to dominate this. Like, yeah, they'll benefit. But I think those be those those guys that maybe would be, you know, three stars that are at a big school and then they they get to go down and showcase their talent maybe if they they kind of go to a different school and they might pan out just as just as well for them there so i think it can work both ways honestly i i'm gonna say that i think it benefits the bigger schools i think it would benefit them a little bit more just because they have their essentially have their choice nobody's gonna choose i mean the kids that are leaving their school aren't really a factor like they are not good enough to play at the top level schools and they're not really losing much, but they can gain from the small schools, like they're better players, whereas they haven't necessarily been doing that as much in, in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, kind of a checkmate answer I have here to that is, uh, Nick Starkle going to San Jose state. So <laughs> now he's going to win yeah. Heisman there. That's how he was at two guy. power five schools. So, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, boy. <laughs> I don't know how you're going right. to recover from that, Ryan. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going. I wow, you got me, Mark. Sorry, <laughs> I, I make fun. I but Nick Starkle was good at A and M, so he yeah. had his moments. Yeah, yeah. I hate I to. Was stunned he didn't get the job. Uh, yeah, when Jim Ryan still thinks forward. he should be uh, over uh, QB over Kellen Mond. Yeah, it it was a definitely a surprise at the time, a big surprise. Yep, everybody anticipated Starkle. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving on. Now we're done with the college football in or outs. We got a couple of uh, just kind of random ones here. The designated mm-hmm. hitter. The designated hitter. So I'll go first here. And I'm in. I'm in on the DH. So first of all, I just think more scoring is the, is a good thing for baseball. And I think having uniformity across the AL and NL makes sense to me. And just, you know, I, I'm not entertained by pitchers getting up there and sacrifice bunting. So I I want a DH. Give me yeah, Edgar Martinez. I, oh, mm. I'm I'm so in for this. I <laughs> there there it's so bizarre that there's two sets of rules in baseball with the AL and NL and I understand that there's more decision making and and the importance of a manager in the NL, but nowadays yeah. when, you know, when you're talking about when to pinch hit or make switches with the pitcher, that's all metrics really deciding it now. So there's even less of a need for these these managers. So it, it also speeds up the game, having less switches and changes. Um, it's more exciting to get another good hitter in the lineup because, Michael, like you said, like it's not really fun to watch that auto out, you know, at the nine spot. Yeah, the Trey, you bring up the thing about the it's so weird having different 
set of rules between the two leagues. It's like, how does, you know, I'm, I, any other major sport, like it's all uniform. Like even the other thing about, is there, is the, um, the dimensions, the dimensions. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of like it though. It is weird, but it, yeah. no, I, I don't mind it. Cool. It's kind of unique, I guess. It's cool. But isn't that just weird? Like it should just, it how is it? the baseball field different size in every <laughs> it's place. strange it's Why, so, there's a big like, wall in one there's a short like it, porch it and skews right home runs like like crazy amount you know like if it's just i don't know you got a huge green monster in fenway like what, what? <laughs> i haven't followed baseball as much recently but the astros do they still have that hill in center field no i think they got rid of that oh they, they got rid level, of that they leveled I it think, out i think they did did they, they did. not have a pole on that at one point they, they did no they had a flagpole on the hill but they, like in the very tippy corner right yeah and the it, no in center field no i know yeah but like yeah but it was yeah. like on the hill like it was but they yeah, they was, got rid of that a, a couple of years ago i don't remember when exactly but yeah it's just odd but it is odd i mean easy i don't know why anybody yeah wouldn't want the dh i just just like there, there are people like tra- i know tra- the traditional the people but it's i don't know more runs more action you know I don't know. Well, baseball, baseball is yeah. having a rough go th- as we speak right now. Oh my goodness, they are. They are. They are not doing well. all right. Maybe a little less polarizing uh, in terms of we're going to get out of the sports world here, but we got mayonnaise, mayo. Ryan, in or out on mayo? Uh, I'm in on mayo. Um, I mean, there's only a select few things that I would ever consider putting it on, like but sandwiches. You gotta have mayo <laughs> yeah. on a on a turkey sandwich. I mean, disagree. Don't have to. You you should. It's you, good. Nah, you don't have. To. I I will say I probably like Miracle Whip a little bit better, but I'm in on mayo. Um, I'm not obsessed with it, but it, it's versatile because you can have it more than just sandwiches. You can have it on burgers. Uh, I like potato salad, and good potato salads have mayo in them. So I'm in on on mayo. I'm out. I'm out. I just think, I think it sucks. I don't know. I don't know how to <laughs> like describe yeah. that, but I just don't like it. And there's just, I think there's also, there's a lot better stuff that you can put on sandwiches or whatever. Like I like, I know it's similar to mayo, but like a chipotle aioli, any type of aioli, I feel like are always better than mayo. Like I know the there's fancy word stuff. Like I, I do. I do. Yeah. So now there are, there are some sandwiches that I would put ranch on before mayo, but in general, mayo will apply to what a lot of sandwiches. Do you put a ranch on? Well, like you could put it like on a chicken bacon ranch, or like uh, <laughs> you could make sense. There, no, there's there's a couple <laughs> sandwich. You could just just hmm. just people love ranch. You could have that. I know. I as a I'm good out on substitute. ranch. Oh no, now, I'm in I, on ranch. I mean, for for a salad, okay, but that's it. <laughs> Now, I say I don't like mayo, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the things, like at Subway, the Chipotle Southwest sauce, that's probably, I don't know what it's it is. Like it's probably like 99% mayo. Yeah, it's probably mostly mayo. <laughs> not, I don't like straight mayo, okay? All right. Sure. All right. That'll do it. That That is the College Football Bros podcast in or out episode. Uh, remember to subscribe in your podcast app. Give us five stars there. And uh, subscribe on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up on on our videos as well. That would help us out, get more people to see the show. And uh, we appreciate when people share the podcast as well. Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, any message boards you're on. We're trying to 
trying to grow it, especially as we kind of approach the season here. We're going to start we're going to start our previews here in just a few weeks. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to have a big audience. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com thisishome today.